let's not go out in the streets and kiss random dental assistants. It's the architecture of Richard Nutra this week on Why Do You Know That? Welcome to Why Do You Know That? The party podcast that wants to know why you know so much about a very specific topic. I'm Nadia Osman. I'm Steve Slaga. Hi, Steve. Hi, Nadia. It's it's over. Our quote national nightmare unquote is over. If One of wh- them. <laughs> if you're a white liberal, you believe it's all over. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, my white liberal friends. What if uh, somebody turned on this podcast, heard it's all over, and they were like, <laughs> COVID-19's over? Great. <laughs> and then they go outside, maskless, and kiss a stranger in excitement. <laughs> all because of your vagueness at the top of this podcast. Um, so far, appa- according to specific outlets, which is all the news outlets, uh, Joe Biden is our... New president or president-elect Kamala Harris is our VP-elect. All I can think about is the time Kamala Harris hung out in the green room at uh, UCB Sunset, and it cracks I me up so forgot. much. forgot. That's right. <laughs> UCB Sunset had a Kamala Harris panel. They did. They did when she was still a senator. Uh, yes. It just makes me laugh thinking about uh, this very dignified woman sitting on a very bad couch. And the thing is, despite all of that, the pandemic still rages on. We still, yeah, so please don't go out and just kiss any random stranger. Don't do that anyway. That's just, that's harassment is what that is. That that photo uh, post-World War II where it was a parade and it's a sailor kissing a lady, that is harassment. You should not have done that. That was very messed up, frankly. I get it. He's very joyful. The war is done. Uh, But his national nightmare was over. But like, don't just go kissing random ladies. That's weird. No. As of today, the official stance of why do you know that on kissing random ladies (laughs) is no. It's a, um, you know, we've never really addressed it head on. So we can say that the official stance on kissing random strangers is thumbs down. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) The thing is, though, uh, you know, it's a very old fashioned take is to think that uh, kissing somebody off the street is somehow a romantic gesture. It's not particularly modern. And what we're going to be talking about today is very modern. In fact, it's modernist. It's modernist architecture. I tried. I tried with that. I know. I was immediately just like, I'm just going to follow her where she goes. <laughs> I'm going to let Nadia figure out her way to the topic. Uh, let's bring in our wonderful guest. You've heard her before on this podcast. She is an artist and producer. Please welcome back Katie Willard. Hello. Hello. It, was very, it was very hard not to laugh <laughs> or make oh. noise when you guys were, were doing, doing the bit. Hey, you can always you can always yeah. laugh. Yeah, yeah, we love yeah, we love attention. <laughs> what, what's what's your take, Katie? Uh kissing a random stranger romantic or not? Not. 
I yeah. mean, it's like whenever people share that fucking photo of the World War II, like the guy, the sailor kissing the nurse or whatever in the street, that she didn't, they didn't know each other. Yeah. He literally came up to her and, and smooched her without her consent because it's like, yeah, we won the war. And, and uh, that's fucked, guys. That's a yeah. fucked thing that we all like go like, look at this cute photo. And it's like, no, that's assault. Yeah, it's weird. Assault. It's weird how we just accept certain uh, things in the past and go, "Oh, look at that!" And it's like, Mm-mm, get some t- context behind that. Yeah, um, and what's funny is she's not. She's just like, yeah, you know, it was a day where we were all like really excited, but like I didn't know this guy, and he just did it out of nowhere. <laughs> and you're like, no, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, You're like no, because it very much looks like oh man, he's back and he's back at port to meet his sweetie, but it's not his <laughs> sweetie. No, it's she's nobody's sweetie. Woman. Yeah, no, she's a she's stranger. old now. Is she? Is she still kicking? I think she is, but uh, I think she was super old whenever I read the article of like when the story came out about the context gotcha. behind the photo. Gotcha. Uh, speaking of. Old, but not super old. Uh, <laughs> today's That's topic. Good lord. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Um, the sailor died. Oh, okay. Um, and then honestly, news news websites have too many like uh, pop ups and like sign in f- to scroll through that I can't find. Oh yes, and she died. They're both de- they're both dead. Oh, when did she die? 2016. Okay, so that that tracks. I think they must have interviewed her like right before she died. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bless, bless her for outliving him. <laughs> she was a dental assistant, not even a nurse. Uh all right. So, today we're going to be talking about Richard Joseph Neutra or Neutra? How do you say it? Neutra. I mean, I said Neutra. Okay, that's I what I thought. Be very wrong. But he is Austrian American, so there's a part of me that's going like, "Oh, is there some weird German thing where it's Neutra?" But uh, anyway, uh, Mr. Neutra was a um, Austrian-born American architect known for introducing the quote international style into American architecture. And I say international style because it's capital I, capital S. It is a type of uh, architecture style. Katie, why do you know that? Uh, You know, I can't really put a finger on when I started being obsessed with Nutra. I think what happened was Frank Lloyd Wright was like my introduction. I started getting into him and then kind of looking at all the people who branched out from underneath him, like Schindler and Lautner and Nutra and all that. And um, I just love everything about Nutra's ethos, uh, like design ethos. It's, I have a big page of notes. If you hear it flip, that's what that is. Um, But his big thing was like, let's find the real needs of the people who are going to live in my commissions, right? He would give him like a questionnaire and be like, what do you use your space for? How do you use it? What do you do? Whatever. Because his like thorough belief was that houses should be an extension of, of a person. And that like, there were so many huge egos at the time in architecture. It was like 
only taking these big commissions only, you know, like it was my way or the highway when it came to design, frankly, right. It's like a huge example of that. Like, I don't know if you've heard the falling water, the story of behind falling water, the mm-hmm. house that's on top of the, the river. He talked with the family about it and about the land that they had purchased. And they were like, oh yeah, we like to have picnics on this rock that's in the middle of this river. Like it was like kind of a big surface. Like we as a family like to do that. And so then Frank Lloyd Wright built falling water on top of that rock so that they could never enjoy that without like being on top of that rock without being in his house. Like that's the kind of shit that people were like architects were doing at the time. So to have this guy who was like, he worked, did a lot of like housing projects um, because he believed that like comfortable reliable, beautiful architecture was uh, a right, not a privilege. Um, Yeah, that's why I love him. Yes, and he's a very different architect, I think, from a lot of architects. Architecture is a very interesting uh, topic underneath the umbrella of art topics because most people have a favorite musician. Most most people even know some sort of fine art, but architecture is a weird one in that people go, oh, building." And they don't necessarily realize what they like or don't like about it. They don't know its roots. They don't know how uh, building as art has transformed over time. But architecture is the one of the few art forms that's like, this is not just about pleasure or making you think. There's a design element. You have to live in the house. You have to work in the building. You have to use this space in a functional way. So when you got a real dick like Frank Lloyd Wright being like, fuck you, I'm going to pour a waterfall over your favorite rock. It's just like, <laughs> it's so upsetting to hear these stories. But Richard Nutra doesn't necessarily have those kinds of stories because he's the guy that goes, All right, what do you want? Which yeah, is so, what can I do? What can I do for you? Yeah, which is so different from, I mean, I think there's a lot of like product design too. Surely the listeners, you have gone into a shop and gone, and picked up an item and gone, how and why would I use this? Like, to what end? And somebody goes, well, it looks cool. And it's like, yeah, well, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> design has to be functional. It can't just, like, look cool. Uh, yeah, he he is somebody that has a ton, a ton, a ton of houses out there, tons of other buildings. Um, yes. 300, I think, in yeah. uh, in California alone. Yes. A lot right strong. right in our neighborhoods. It's mm-hmm. very easy to go. Like the, um, what are they called? The Jardinette Apartments, a.k.a. the Marathon Apartments. They're on Marathon, <clears throat> 5128 Marathon Street, if you want to go look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was his first commission in the States. And it was one of the first modernist buildings in America and the first international style multifamily dwelling. So it's these these uh, apartment buildings that were built for people who worked in the studios for like oh. the grips and the sound people and the set people. And um, they're still standing and they're it's a little stressful because they are a historical marker. But the person who bought them is they're going to auction and he tried to, he, I think he's working with whatever the loan company is to like pay back what is owed on those. 
Um, because anytime a building goes to auction, it's very stressful because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And they're such, they're really cool. <laughs> they're kind of, they look a little, a little jank at the moment. Uh, Do they have a, you know, a historical landmark status? Yeah. Okay. So they but can't I, necessarily be torn down, but they could go into disarray if somebody just buys yeah. it and is like, ah, fuck this. Let me see if I can't find a photo of them. But yeah, they're in my giant tome. I was reading this book, my favorite thing. I was reading this book and I came across a, a paragraph that I sent to uh, Thomas Ochoa. Thomas Ochoa is my, uh, my um, architecture uh, buddy. Like I will text him shit and we were big brutalism fans, like hard concrete, let's do it. Um, but my favorite was, so Nutra grew up, he was born in Vienna in Austria and he was like coming up in Austria, a teen and like a young man when it was like explosion of music and of thought and of um, art and design and everything was kind of like just this like very explosive bohemian thing. And also everybody was fucking uh like <laughs> and, and it, now and you've it, got steve's attention they go i mean they go hand in hand <laughs> yeah everybody was just listening to to orchestras symphonies and fingering each other and you know all that. um and i came across this paragraph in the book that's like a cut out of his his diary and okay wait uh, the trumpeter dance, the whole unit dance. I had two girls, but especially one girl. By God, we had a good time that night. But then we didn't even dance. On the next night, I was with her again. Uh, and then he was just, we made the girls mouse water. It's just like he had oh. like these, these paragraphs of like just him being super horny. And I sent that to <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> to, I was like, wasn't expecting to read about how neutral was slutty. And then he goes, wow, made the girl's mouth water, made me so uncomfy. Yeah. Um, Whoever uses that as a description for like horniness, mouth watering. Mouth watering. Maybe if um, I'm horny for a hamburger. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he like, I'm trying to think of what was I saying before that led me to this? To led you to, to horny Nutra? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what I had a, I had a, a path well, in my let's, head. Well, let's go back for a second. So he, he's growing up in Vienna. Uh, he develops his early interest in uh, Otto Wagner. Uh, World mm -hmm. War I kind of interrupts some studies, but generally speaking, this is a time where uh, architecture is really coming up and other art forms are really uh, providing the, the, this area of Europe with a lot of an injection of creativity and inspiration. My favorite was that he took a, he studied abroad as all basic bitches do. He studied abroad <laughs> in, in Italy during college with none other than Ernst Ludwig Freud, Sigmund Freud's son. Well, <laughs> they got small up, world. They got up to some shit in Italy, <laughs> but that was like a big, a huge inspiration for him, like stylistically. And I think just, I mean, Italy is one of those places that like you go, I have a whole packet of photos of just clouds and columns. Like that's all I took of because it's just all so amazing. You know, I think it has, it's one of those places where like the history of design 
is just like it kind of permeates your your entire soul. Yeah, absolutely. But, <clears throat> yeah, I. So he <laughs> he moved to LA, or well, no, he moved to the U.S. in like the twenties. And he had met. He's a huge fan of Frank Lloyd Wright's, and he met him at a funeral, like you do. And uh, they he asked him to work with him at, at Taliesin. And he asked for a job at a funeral. I mean, we don't know exactly what went down. Like if he asked him for a job or if they just chatted and then he like followed up later. Sure, sure. And, like, hey, great. Like writing a little letter. Like, hey, great I, meeting you. I'm just saying so much fun. right now, unemployment rates are starting to go up or they've been up for a minute. Uh, uh, Steve, whose funeral do you feel like you're going to network at? Um, Probably like, I mean... Being in Los Angeles, I feel like we're already programmed for that. Like, is it that crazy? <laughs> to I me, mean... it's about. To me, it's not about whether or not you're networking at a funeral. It's how close the two people networking are to the deceased. Like, okay, if somebody's yeah. wife died and you go up to them and are like, "I've got a great idea for <laughs> a um, multi-cam," uh, <laughs> maybe not. But if it's like two like people that just don't read are just like don't really know the deceased that well or like um, are talking about something that they've talked about before, I don't have as much of a problem with that. Plus, if the person who's dead fucking sucked, then who cares? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Network to to your heart's content. Yeah. Get that money. Get that paper. Yeah. Enough of this. Guy. Yeah. Enough of these. Enough of this. Like, just because it's a funeral means that the person who died <laughs> was nice. You know, like, let's just be honest about who we're mourning and kind of go from there. It's for me. You know what? For me, it's case by case. <laughs> <laughs> just case by case. Just case All by right. Case. So he meets Frank Lloyd Wright and they hook up and then he starts working for him. Mm-hmm, for Taliesin. And then eventually, you know, the work dried up and he moved to L.A. to work with Rudolf Schindler. So Schindler and him partnered really early on on this, um, what was it, League of Nations. I think this, this big par- design project together. And they ended up getting super close, them and their wives. And they ended up living together. Have you ever guys ever been to sh- the Schindler house um, in WeHo? No, no. So it's still standing. It's on King's Road and you can get you can, you know, buy a pass to tour there. And I don't they might still be doing it now. I I don't know. Um, But it's this amazing space that's meant for two couples to live in. So all of like the, the main living areas are open and then one wing on one corner is like the the bedroom bathroom for one and like office for one couple. And then the other corner is that. So Schindler and his wife and Nutra and his wife lived there for like five years. <laughs> they lived together. That's very and close. I used to live right around the corner from that house. It's really cool. I mean, I went, they have this, um, they did a sleeping, the way that the bedroom is, is it's upstairs in this little nest that has open, like you open the windows to just like, um, uh, what is this? What is the screens? So in the summer, it just was like open and you could, mm-hmm. you know, the wind would move through or whatever. Um, 
So they were besties and they were working together and then they had a falling out. And a lot of people like to go, Oh, it's cause Nutra stole the Lovell house or Lavelle away from Schindler. And uh, that's not actually what happened, but the truth is like, there's real, sh they're just real shady. Like <laughs> just like real petty bitches. I think is kind <laughs> of like the vibe where like, so Lovell had hired Schindler to make us like a winter house that collapsed in the snow. And so Lovell was like, mm, I don't know if I want this guy building my house. But then uh, it was also found out that Schindler was fucking his sister. Was it his sister-in-law? Oh, no. Yeah who he didn't like. And he was like, I don't want her having an influence on him having an influence on my house. And plus Schindler was also like super busy doing other stuff. He was doing like a, build, uh, a house in Catalina. And so Nutra started doing it. But then the real like drama started happening where there was this big uh, modernist exhibit at MoMA um, about design that Nutra was included in, but Schindler wasn't. And then all the friends started gossiping that Neutra was stopped mentioning that Schindler was involved in the League of Nations project, right? So then they just like had, he just stopped talking to them. They stopped working together creatively. And they didn't, I mean, this was like 20 years later, Neutra has a heart attack, ends up in the hospital, in the same hospital room as Schindler, who is dying from cancer. So oh the two, these two catty petty bitches are in a hospital room together recovering. Where's the Ryan things. Murphy series on right? architects? Because they, so, they are messy bitches who love drama. There right? is so much shit that went on during this time period in architecture in Southern California. And then you've got Esther McCoy, who was a writer who covered all of the, all of the architecture uh, news and information. She was... And she, so she was a huge part of it. And then Julia Shulman, who took all the photos, like through to the Eames, you know, in the 60s and all that. But like, so then they ended up reconciling. And then Schindler passed away from cancer. But they like are in the <laughs> have like stuck together after 20 years of like not talking. Yeah, um, what amazing kismet. I love it. I really, really love it. So just to, just to recap. Neutra and Schindler, BFFs that live in the same house with their wives. Then they had to have fucked, right? Like, oh yeah, every all of them, big orgy somebody time. Fucked. Given just, how horny yeah. and mouthwatery he was, yes, uh, they all they all fucked each other for sure. So Schindler goes and fucks his sister-in-law. Meanwhile, of Lovell, of Lovell, the guy who is has commissioned him. For that's a home. right. Yes, yeah. So he's fucking the person who's his client's sister-in-law yes having on an affair on top of uh building him a shitty cabin that fell apart and working on a bunch of other stuff neutra takes over schindler gets mad neutra's like well you're not doing anything uh schindler's like well you're not good enough blah 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 petty bitchiness reigns for 20 years then they're <laughs> stuck in a hospital room together to make up that's wild that is 100 yep. percent of if that happened at the end of your screenplay i'd be like i don't i don't believe it 
<laughs> the yeah, odds, just, the just, odds of them running into each other. It's too, what is this lost? Like, yeah, just fuck you. And the Lovell House. Fun fact: um, the Lovell House is the house. Um, you guys, have you guys seen LA Confidential? Yes. Yes. So you know, David Strahan plays the the pimp. Um, Ira Lowenstein from League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. That guy. Mm-hmm. So he plays like the pimp of Florida Lee, and he lives in that beautiful house that. Uh, Russell Crowe goes to visit him at. That's the Level House. Yeah, that's at 4616 Dundee Drive in Los Feliz, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Um, what I didn't realize is that Philip Lovell, the guy uh, for whom the house was built, was a physician and naturopath, which I find to be very interesting for a 1920s doctor, given that it feels like it feels like he made a lot of money probably trying to convince people of stuff that wasn't actually real. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that mean? Well, it's interesting because I think that Lovell wanted a home that was in line with what Nutra's ethos was, which is mm-hmm. like this. His He was big on, what is it called? The, the term is biorealism. So it's like using biological science and architecture so that the design like exploits your senses and your interconnectedness with nature. So a lot of like commercial buildings that Nutra did, like dentist office and things like that had like trees inside and glass, the indoor and outdoor because he, and in, so he has a book called survival through design, which is fabulous. And I, it, there's like one copy in the entire LAPL library system and I have, I had had it checked out for the last six months because of COVID and they were like, don't. And then they sent me an email that was like, if you don't send this back, we're going to charge you for it. And I was like, okay. And I, you know, sent it. But, um, that's the, a little rude. It could like, have like COVID on it. Yeah, that is rude. <laughs> I'm just, I'm um, going to buy Katie this book. And so that she can flip off the the public library system and be oh, like, that'll you let know the what? librarians that'll <laughs> let them have it. Yeah, those poor librarians that are having to work right now. I yeah. know in these in these terrible conditions, like it <laughs> fucking sucks. Shout out to to, uh, to Vincy Vincent Zalkind. Thank you for Caroline your service. Anderson. Thank you for your service. Um, that was not facetious. I, I'm serious. I I feel bad for librarians right now. Um. But that like his concept for like a dentist's office is this is a place that causes people a lot of stress. How can we use design to make the whole experience more serene and more peaceful so that people can walk into this appointment, not already ratcheted up to like a, an eight in anxiety. And yeah. I'm like way into that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a big believer in there. There are certain I love art, and there are certain architecture slash design ethoses um, that I am a big believer in, and one of them is the idea that environment should accommodate your functional needs. Meaning, yeah, or build the house and the waterfall over the environment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I love, though, is that like he thought it was a fundamental... It was fundamental and a requisite to human well-being. Like everybody, mm-hmm. every single individual deserves a place to live that is beautiful and fits their needs. I and mean, it really I mean, is like 
It's like the third love bra of architecture. Like, <laughs> look, you don't need all the bells and whistles. You don't need this because it's Victoria's Secret. We will just come to us and we will get the bra that's right for you. I yeah, feel it's... like that's a very <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's like Muji. Muji is another example. <laughs> it's the Muji of architecture. And, but that's, I mean, here's the thing. When you think about something like IKEA, I think that's maybe the biggest, most internationally recognized design thing that people probably have in their homes as we speak, right? And IKEA's whole thing is like, it should be functional and look nice and serve your home, and you should be able to build it in a week or less. Uh, yeah, because and yeah, and, depending and, on your on your gentle your soft mental state. Yes, <laughs> and, the, and the instructions should not have any words on them. They should just have that little confused man who seems very. <laughs> you can't you can't see it right now, but Katie's doing a perfect spot on imitation of that little guy <laughs> who's in every IKEA manual, just like like what do I do with this? Group? And then like and then like a picture of a flat, and then it's like no no no. And yeah. then there's a slat, but with a rug under it. And it's like, hey. Yeah, exactly. Um, but th- I think that that's something that's kind of been lost with the idea of uh, not to get too much on a tangent here. but Fast fashion. Are you going to talk about fast fashion? I am going to talk about fast fashion <laughs> as a way to relate it to architecture, because I feel like probably our listeners have stepped into a Forever 21 where they may not have stepped into a famous architectural masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, when you make clothes for very cheap that uh, come from abroad, meaning outside of the U.S. or outside of Europe, uh, made under really intense labor conditions, you are going to get a poorer product that's not going to last you as long, and it also destroys the environment. Um, There is that same kind of mentality, I think, with architecture, where there's a lot of people out there who go, we're going to build an apartment building. And instead of thinking about what do people need in an apartment building? How should this apartment building function? They just go up, just get it up there. We're going to sell these condos. Bye. Um, And it's a fast fashion equivalent. Out of my window back there, they've been building the ugliest, dumbest four unit (laughs) condo building I've got one on my street that's pretty goddamn ugly, too. And it's so slanted and glass. And it's like, I mean, I'm sure it's going to look cool when it's done. But it's also like, I don't know. Well, so that's the thing about Nutra, too, is that, like, he was on the California Planning Commission for our, you know, like, buildings and things like that. And and he did a lot of these these housing projects, like, my favorite is the Channel Heights one, which is in San Pedro. Or was I don't know if it's been torn down, but it was low cost housing for shipyard workers, and it was like six hundred units on like an insane like over a hundred acres, and it had these homes and these rolling you know hills and these open spaces for children, and the school was there, and the school the classrooms had like one whole wall was just like. Um, like a sliding door so that they could be indoors and outdoors at the same time as they, you know, did class. Like all of this stuff is very thoughtful. I mean, there's one, there's Burbank, the progressive builders homes was for defense worker housing near Lockheed Martin, you know, like this concept of accessibility to good design and design that like, let me see if I can't find photos of 
flipping through my big ass book. Uh, there have been a lot of discussions about what we do with our space because there's a lot of articles out there with people trying to buy homes, particularly people who may have fled the cities. There's like this whole exodus out of, say, the tech bubble in San Francisco and people realizing, oh, if I can work from home anywhere, then why not work in the middle of nature? Why not work with big open space where I can be outdoors? Uh, and regardless of how quickly the pandemic is resolved in a way where we can live with it and it's no longer impacting our lives in such a massive way, there is something very interesting about the idea of creating cities and areas that, you know, schools, parks, etc., urban environments, suburban environments, what have you, that serve all of these needs. And I'm wondering for you, Katie, whether you feel like uh, this is something that's lost and we're picking back up on it. Are we recognizing now that maybe we need this? Do you feel like we're going to fall off because of COVID and suddenly it's going to be all about, you know, McMansion, 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 because people will be like, no, I want to be inside and have my space. So, okay. To answer your question, Nadia, um, I think that, I think there's just an explosion kind of in all areas of, like buying specifically like product sales, clothing sales, item sales. It's, I mean, obviously people are still going to utilize places like Target and Amazon and Walmart. Um, but this movement of person to person sales, like things like people retailers on, you know, building a community on Instagram and selling things like I think about Big Bud Press is like one, uh, something that I, a company that I really love because it's ethical, it's, you know, providing uh, proper wages for people in the United States, they're garment workers, they are very specific about what they make, they're very like, in tune with their customer. And so it's not a very wasteful situation. It's kind of like, you know, consumer, the consumer producer relationship is very like earnest and true. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying about I don't think that it'll, I think that, that COVID has created a very, a moment, like a long moment, what, eight months at this point, like a moment to really think about what we want. And it kind of kicked a lot of people out of their normal routine of getting up, going to work, coming home, going to this, you know, doing that. And, and took all the things away. And for me, at least it took all of the, uh, any illusion of control that I had left, um, that I have control over my, my external circumstances. It really took it away and made me go like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, am I really digging this, you know? And, and, and I think that that the ripple effects of that I think will go on for a very long time because like you said, it's like, why am I living here? If I can work remotely, why don't I move to somewhere where the cost of living is reasonable and I can still do my job. Yeah. Like having the outside taken away from you. Now, obviously there are people who don't believe the virus is real and still have been outside. Like nothing has happened for the last eight months. But I mean, for those of us who have been practicing social distancing and um, being quarantined, you know, when you have that taken away and you realize like, oh, my, my space that I have is an apartment, a one bedroom apartment and a patio, mm -hmm. you know, it makes you go like, would I like to have more space? Would I, and not just like more house, but like, would I like to have a backyard? Would I like to, you know, be able to like 
go out into the middle of the field somewhere if I wanted to, you know what I mean? Like, and for me, that's, that's a huge thing. Like I, I love studio city where I live and I like LA a lot, but I also went like, mm, I kind of want to just like buy a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere yeah. and, and run sure. and run a little online business and go take my orders in a wagon to the post office every day, you know, like shit like that. I, I, yes. you know, I've always lived, I've lived in LA San, or San Diego my entire life. And, and I've never had the experience. And so I don't know. I feel like people are also just far more aware, especially with climate change and things that like these resources that we have are finite Mm -hmm. And the trajectory in which we're moving is soon to be irreversible. And I think, and I hope that a lot more people are taking it seriously or seeing like, how can I, in my life, you know, be a force for, for reversing that, or at least moving, stepping farther away from the edge. And like, that's what I love about. So uh his oh jesus nutra's son um raymond and like the whole family essentially has created um a the survival through design institute and their big thing is i'm going to read you their vision uh surviving in the climate crisis through well res research design that helps humanity and the planet thrive and so what they're doing is partnering with you know, other architecture firms and city planning and things like that to, to try and make an impact because it was ultimately what, in, you know, other words, what Nutra's mission was the entire time, you know, but now it's just got a different context because we're, we're a little up backs against the wall in terms mm -hmm. of climate things, but like designing for affordability, social justice and unique individual needs, but also designing for delight. Yes. which I love. Yeah. Those are, those are the, you know, those are the bit that's the, um, their kind of mission. It's like, let's make things, <clears throat> let's design for everybody and let's make it beautiful and let's make it feel good. Yeah. There's this book that, uh, he wrote, uh, how America builds, which sort of discussed the problems and the possibilities of American architecture and urban design. And, um, Nutra used his experience working. He worked at a uh, Chicago architecture firm. Uh, was it Holabird and Roche? Something like that. <laughs> and I'm fucking up these names so bad. And basically the idea being that like, uh, we don't think about that. How come? How come we don't think about like how the how the building goes into the plants? How do come we don't think about the idea that like we come from nature and we would like to have the plants with us in the house? How come we don't think about designing in a way that's sustainable? Um, and this was back in the mid 20s that this mm -hmm. was being called out in a way where I go, I wish that more people would take that to heart. Now, that is all. <laughs> I mean, you come off the industrial revolution and it's, it, that changed everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so now you're in a new era of all of this, you know, massive expansion. <clears throat> and then it's just, this is another wave of it when you go like nineties through the aughts of just like massive, you know, consumerism and, and, you know, 
the rise of big box and all that it's just another version it's just going to keep happening you know it's just about whether or not we have the resources to to supply it and we're running out of those resources uh so. speaking of the connection kind of well not quite industrial revolution but let's uh, w i'm gonna call it hyper capitalism so uh ayn rand Ooh. the novelist oh. Uh, she writes this book called The Fountainhead about a very famous architect who's like, I'm the best architect. And if and, and you got to respect that, uh, Howard Rourke and supposedly is partially based on Nutra, which is so weird to me because he wasn't a shithead. I mean, I think he had some <laughs> ego, you know, like he did have an ego. I think everybody has to have a healthy amount of ego, but like he that was like frank lloyd right so it was surprising to me when I, I mean i haven't read the fountainhead but um it's very interesting that that she did well she rented one of the homes there was a home in northridge mm -hmm. von which, sternberg house yes the von sternberg house which was built for a, a, a film director who built a boat around it first of all Good. Um, and so and then <laughs> wise and then he also built all the bathrooms with no locks because he didn't want a temperamental like actor or actress to try and kill themselves in the bathroom oh if that's where your brain goes thou buddy mm. so then so then Rand moves in right she is renting this from from uh or no she purchased it and then she rented it to these people called the hills and then the hills live there and it was the building ran sold it to this woman named let's see what what was her name Catherine. let's see oh i didn't write her name down but sell it to this woman the hills decided Catherine hahn Catherine <laughs> hahn not to be confused with Catherine hahn um moved out and this woman decided well, I can't have this place unoccupied because the, the hippies are going to move in. So then she burned it down. <laughs> so it no longer exists. Oh, wait, hold on. I can, I have, I have a bookmark. I have a bookmark of the, of the house with the moat. Oh, here we go. Yep. Uh, you all can't see this. So, you know, this is mostly just film. So that's the house. There's the moat. Why the moat? Huge, uh, cause he was paranoid, obviously. <laughs> Why not? Um, <laughs> but yeah, right, that's fair. Why not? It's very interesting because, like, what I love about like uh, uh, neutral lovers is is there are sites that have you know will have all of his um, all of his homes that he built, and um, they will take photo. They'll have photos from you know when they were originally built, and then they'll have photos of t from today. You know, and and most of the time you know a lot of these places have been preserved and restored and they're looking really great and other times people will uh renovate them to the point where they don't even look like the original building and which i don't even understand i'm like well if you just hate it that much tear it the fuck down i mean i don't want you to tear it down but if you're gonna like put a bunch of shit on the front of it and let's, it doesn't even look like the house anymore let's put it this um, way here's an article from uh the spaces.com that showed three richard neutral homes on the market i don't know when it doesn't say when this was so i'm gonna assume within the last couple of years uh there was a four bedroom in beverly hills for 3.3 million there was the bonnet house in hollywood hills available a two bed uh that lets at eight thousand a month 
And then the sales residence in Brentwood, which is a three bed for three million. So if you're going to spend that much on a house with name recognition, why the hell would you renovate? Like, why not just build your own damn house? So that's what I love is that like these these sites that that, you know, have all of his <laughs> they'll take a photo and they'll be like. It, so one of them got demolished and this huge, like ugly nouveau Italian villa was built on top of it. And they will, they posted the photo of the nouveau Italian villa. They're just like petty. They're like, uh, this building was demolished in blank and replaced with a, you know, nouveau Italian villa, or like they have renovated it to unrecognizability. Like everybody gets real, real petty in the, in the, um, captions, but like it's, it's, always heartbreaking when his buildings get demolished unceremoniously. There was the Cyclorama Center at Gettysburg, which was like a, a an information center um, mm -hmm. there that got torn down in like, I think 2013. And then the uh, Nutra I bet that. Wait, that's the, that's, I, hold on. I'm looking this up Is really it, quick. I think it's the one with the big map, the big light up map. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's why this sticks out for me. Real quick tangent. Uh, I go on an eighth grade trip that covers uh, Washington, D.C. and parts of Pennsylvania. And Katie knows exactly what I'm talking about because I think every eighth grader in Southern California does this trip. So we go. We go to Gettysburg. We go into the Cyclorama building. There's this giant diorama-esque map. That's and there's this overhead narration that's like, you know, <laughs> it is Charlie Brown teacher voice and the hills because Gettysburg has, you know, minor hills. They have little light up points, these little red dots. And because it's a bunch of eighth graders, this second two little red dots on a bunch of hills light up. Everybody just dissolves into giggles because those are just some titties. Those are just some titties <laughs> with red nipples. And we I don't remember anything. <laughs> about how the Battle of Gettysburg actually <laughs> happened because all we could do is laugh about them big old titties. Anyway. <laughs> My East Coast trip, so I had one as well, was the February after 9-11. So oh my God. we literally had went to the East Coast when like everything was still locked down security wise. So like everything we did took three extra hours because we had to go through like massive security. It took us two hours to get to the top of the Empire State Building. And by the time we got to the observation deck, they were like, it, it's closed, time to go back downstairs. I was like, cool, oh it was great. God. Like we didn't even go to Ellis Island because the Battery Park security line was too long. Um, but yeah, so the Cyclorama uh, Center has been demolished. All right, there's, the new there's the Nutra Embassy in Karachi, Pakistan, which I don't know if they ended up tearing it down, but there was like a huge petition because they, they wanted to demolish it. But the big one was the Largent house. It was recent. Um, this fuckhead, Ross Johnson, bought the, bought the building and uh, just without permit, tore it down. Just demolished ah, this place. Boo. I like just no, you know, whatever. So the city, because it was a, a landmark and he didn't get permits, he didn't do anything. He just got a backhoe the thing down the only thing that was left was the garage door and the wood frame around it so the city was like you need to pay restitution for this like what the fuck uh and so he was like huffy about it 
because he's a shithead and sued the, <laughs> the city oh. of San Francisco. Um, and they essentially was like, they were like, the restitution is that you, the home that you build there needs to be the same, you know, pretty much the same in design <laughs> as the original home. And then this guy, it's this ongoing legal battle, but then he, he sends the permits to the San, to San Francisco courts. And like, the, it, it looks like every fucking house on, on a, a small street on in Melrose, like right off of Melrose, you know, where they're all the box, there are just like boxes with the glass and the, you know, just all very like, the house of today looks nothing like the original house. And I will, I recommend you go look at what the large house used to look like. Cause it was bitching. It had this interior, like this pool that was like in the, in the small space under the house, but that was still open. And it had all these glass blocks to let light in. It was great. This guy's a shithead. And I hope he, I hope he trips and falls and rolls down a hill in San Francisco. That's what I <laughs> and want. there's a lot of them. Ooh, a that's a nice, that's a nice, yeah, th- I like that pool. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> well, it's gone. <laughs> Completely It <laughs> was a nice, you know what though? Um, uh, at least we know that if you have enough money and are shitty enough, you can do whatever you want. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Um, uh, something that I ran across was the idea that, yes. So going back to the petty fight for just a moment. <laughs> Which so one? Pe- Him and Schindler? <laughs> yes. The Nutra Schindler uh, feud series coming in 2024 when Steve and I write it for Ryan Murphy and say, make this, please. <laughs> um, it turns out that Nutra gets to do a... Uh, so Nutra is invited to a exhibition with MoMA. Yeah. And Schindler is not. Yeah. In the thirties. Yeah. That, that didn't help things. Yeah. That was kind of the beginning of the, of the end, I think. <laughs> and then all the friends get involved and they're like, did you hear that Nutra is saying that you didn't like that? He's not mentioning you in this League yeah. of Nations project. And that, you know, the, the truth was, is that Schindler was far more pissed at Nutra than Nutra was pissed at Schindler. So like, it wasn't Nutra was always down to like re have the friendship happen again, but but Schindler was just like, no, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, until and then he's <laughs> until the hospital bed. Yeah. And then uh, he's featured on the cover of time, which like, I think up until that point, maybe only Frank Lloyd Wright had been really featured. And he, they, that's when he kind of became heralded as the second greatest architect behind Frank Lloyd Wright in American history. And I don't think that did any favors, but then the hospital only comes a few years after that. So I'd like to think that, uh, I'd like to think that after he saw that Time magazine, there was this moment where Schindler was just like, I'm, I'm fine, guys. I'm totally fine. And then he goes <laughs> to his local drugstore and looks and he's just like seething with rage. It's just like, God yeah. damn it. It's like when you see a billboard uh, for a new TV show with someone you used to fuck and you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, okay. So let's talk about some of the famous houses uh, that he has built we've mentioned some of these already he has an obviously incredibly prolific career um let's just talk about some of the famous ones that are in and around uh southern california and beyond because boy is there a lot of them we got uh mm-hmm. we got a uh, uh, the mosque house which is on holly ridge drive we've got the shire house which is in the hills the california military academy 
which is in Culver City. Uh, an elementary school in Bell, California, the Corona Avenue Elementary School, which apparently what has Avenue? Corona <laughs> Avenue. Guys, it was Richard Nutra who did that. He put it to put the wheels in motion. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that as soon as you said you wanted to do an architect, I was like, there's a conspiracy afoot. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. found it. Yep. Um, there's another junior high that he did, Emerson Junior High School in West LA. Uh, out of uh, out of the ones that are like just in the Los Angeles area, Katie, do you have like a couple of favorites? Well, so I sent you on Instagram today. Uh one of his houses in Tarzana, the Shimer house, which I think mm-hmm. is my favorite. Okay. Um, so it was like pretty much one of the last houses he did. Uh, he was, I think it was started before he died and then finished I, by his son Dion um, in like the, the early seventies. And it's just beautiful. And it's got these, these pools outside that come inside um it's rad oh that is beautiful i'm looking Uh, at this house right now and i'm in love um that's one the coon house k-u-n uh is another one of my favorites fun fact up until the end of last year was owned by uh by uh scott and kulop oh wow wow yeah I think it was owned by like some some musician for a very long time, and then they bought it and they just sold it. I am mad. Like last year, I'm mad. Yeah. They got to live in one of these. Uh, good for you guys. Uh, <laughs> good for I'm, you guys. I'm mad you got this. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, oh. but it's beautiful. I'm just, I mean, I'm happy that cool people got to live in a house rather than the shithead in San Francisco. You know, I would much rather have people who appreciate art and uh, are on our side of things purchase these homes and then potentially sell them, hopefully to people who won't just tear them down. Uh, yeah, I mean, the good news is that a lot of them are are bound by like their historical markers and there's there's rules when mm-hmm. you purchase them. But that doesn't mean that you can't renovate them to look like garbage. Yes. Um, so the hope is that people don't do that. Um, but then there's also the VDL Research House, which is right off of the reservoir. Right. Um, in Silver Lake that uh, you can go take tours of, I believe. Y- Mm-hmm. And it was sold to Cal Poly Pomona to their like environmental architecture program um, in the eighties. And so it's, <clears throat> there are tours and it's still the, the offices actually for La Richard and Dion Nutra architects is around the corner on, is it Rowena? Yeah. On Rowena mm-hmm. right across from burgers, never say die. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, the offices are there and they're still functioning. And so <clears throat> they're, you know, it's a quick walk, but that's where the Nutras lived. Um, and then it burned down in the sixties and they rebuilt it. And so that's like, if you ever are, you know, going on the reservoir, taking a walk and you see something that looks very, uh, weird, <laughs> that's a media house. If you see a house and you go, huh, that's a media house. Uh, one of his better known works is probably the Kaufman Desert House, which is in Palm Springs, a, a yeah. pretty landmark piece in terms of architecture. Um, mm-hmm. That house has been up for sale a couple of times. Something that 
uh, stuck out to me in my research is, so we talked a little bit about this, that he'll use glass panels to sort of bring in the nature into the house is the idea. Like we're going to connect you to the outside, even though you're inside. So in the Kaufman house specifically, he was inspired by the landscapes of the sites he's working. And if you've ever been to Palm Springs or if you have, uh, if you saw the movie Palm Springs, <laughs> yeah. you'll see lots of those rock formations and the desert. And it's very dramatic. Uh, and what he did is he saw the Southern California terrain is, quote, moon landscape. So he called yeah. the house a silver aircraft that has just landed on a green lawn. And I just I love think that's a I just think that's a neato description of something to call yeah, wait. SoCal a moon landscape. Yes, that's that house. Katie's showing us right now. Absolutely gorgeous. My like the thing is, I love all these houses, and I love I love I love houses with lots of natural lighting. I'm a like anybody. I'm a sucker for a window that goes from the ceiling to the floor. But I see all this glass and all of this natural lighting, and I'm just like, fuck, you've got to clean those windows inside <laughs> and outside. So, like, right now, I live in I live in a fine place. I'm not going to call my apartment a shithole. We take care of it. It's an old building, but we do our best. But there are things where it's like, when's the last time I cleaned the outside of, like, that window over there? Probably never. And if you live in, like one of the like if you live in a nice neutral house you've got so much window cleaning to do i mean i guess you probably can afford to have people clean your windows at that point but every every house that you've shown us or that i look at my mind immediately goes to oh those windows have to be a bitch to clean where do you keep the squeegee where do you keep the squeegee <laughs> on a telescopic uh handle so i'm gonna i got one of my favorite books that i found at counterpoint uh uh bookstore Marion Russell writes Guide to Easier Living. So this Ooh. is Marion Russell. Hi, that's them. Um, this book was originally published in 1950. Um, and essentially what it is, is a guide for both. She, he was an architect and she was an interior designer. And it's a guide for families in this new era of, of homes where you don't need a formal dining room. Spaces are more multi-purpose. What are, you know, what are materials that you can utilize to make your life easier, right? And I, I fucking love, it's like they have had a plan, a cleaning schedule, different like schedules for, okay, are you a married couple and you both work? Are you a married couple with a stay-at-home mom? Are you like, and they have like planning ske like schedules for cleaning on like how you like, take care of your space. And so the thing that I think is for someone as thoughtful, thoughtful as Nutra, there's probably something involved with the materials or the way in which the materials are put together that kind of, it's not as, as difficult as we would think it is like, it's self you know, cleaning windows. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean like, well, first of I'm all, kidding, if, I'm you look, if you look at interiors for like, um, the channel, uh, the channel projects, let's see. Channel Heights projects, they have the windows, but like, it's not as, as expansive as let's say, you know, the Lovell house or whatever. So I think it's also based on like, look, Coon house, 
Mm-hmm. Like that's a son of a bitch. You only, you know, that definitely those windows are excessive, but whoever, you know, commissioned the coon house probably has the money to pay for somebody to do, to do their windows. Whereas like something that is more for like a, a the low income housing, the affordable housing is probably built more towards the needs of those people, right? So, so it's not as expansive. So I guess we can go back to like the whole point of why you like Nutra, which is, hey, Steve, if you've been listening, this is an architect that takes <laughs> your needs into consideration when building a house. So perhaps floor to ceiling windows wouldn't be included in a house where that's not something that they want because that's the whole basis of this philosophy. But this book is just my favorite thing. Chart of tabletop <laughs> materials and coverings. Wood I just finishes. looked it up. It's called um, Guide to Easier Living. Yes. Yeah, look, here we go. Schedule for a part-time housewife. Both husband and wife have full-time jobs. They have a two-room apartment, send the laundry out, use as many professional services as they can afford, but have no paid help. They are to do some housework together, some separately, but planning together is an absolute necessity. Ooh. No. Very good. Like, Very- look, look at that. They will plan. I also just uh-huh. love that, like, this is a book that has, it talks about the new hospitality, right? Like what it's like having a di- having people over for dinner when you're not, you don't have help. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you're both working, you know, you, and then it, the, a big part of this is having your house be it like in the vein of, of Nutra, these spaces that are, ready for anything that was like a yeah. big thing of his which is that spaces should be like multifunctional and open plan and adaptable for anything and so like a big part of this book is you know how do you throw a, a dinner party like with people who have kids and you're in your space and whatever they also have a chart on how to get out all stains um, it's great I'm so a, I'm how a to do hospital lady. i need that so yeah, combine that living. with uh, combine that book with um, Amy Sedaris's uh, <laughs> book, and, and you've got everything you need for hospitality and everything. running a household. Everything. Uh, Tell me how to do hosp- hospital corners on sheets. Oh, really? Okay, because that it just feels like a Illuminati secret to me. Like I, yeah. I have yet to figure out how to do it. Uh, so. Going back to Nutra for just a moment. Uh, Wait, you don't want to hear more about the chore lists in, Mar- <laughs> in Mary and Russell Wright's Guide to Easier Living? I do, but I also want to talk about how uh, architect Robert Evans Alexander joined him. So then they have a new firm starting from 49 to 59, Nutra and Alexander. So then Nutra would still design residential commissions and... Uh, Alexander, uh, like the larger commercial institutional commissions would sort of be handled by the group, which is where I think they uh, they built the governor's house on Guam. Uh, they built, I think this is probably when they built lots and lots of, um, you know, the, the high schools and junior highs that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, more commercial properties. Yeah. Uh, and then they broke up in 59 over disagreement on large-scale jobs, which makes me go, this is Nutra's second biggest fallout. So, what did he do? <laughs> okay, so I think it's just big personalities. And I mm. think he had a really intense like ethos and code of conduct in terms of like the buildings he built. And so I can imagine he just, even though I agree with his ethos and think that it's important, 
you know, he probably was, was a shit, like a shithead, stubborn person about it, um, which is hard to work uh, with. But my favorite thing is that when Nutra died, so Nutra moved back to Vienna in 1966 and he died in 1970 and he died in the middle of an argument with a customer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. According it's not funny. And yet it's incredibly funny. I think yeah. I love that. I, I, we should all, we should all be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. According to his son, he was having, he was in the middle of an argument with a, with a customer and uh, with a client and died. Absolutely wild. That, that, <laughs> I can only imagine what that argument would have been about to like to lead to death. Well, it's odd because like Nutra was always so customer like client focused. So, you know, it was always what the customer wanted and needed for their space was what he, but who knows? It could have been a client that was like a, a commercial client or something like that who wanted to have more say in, in the building and he just wasn't having it. Who knows? Sure. But at this uh, point, this guy had already had a heart attack, like a major heart attack <laughs> 10 years prior. You know, fair, fair. He was he already wasn't it necessarily in the best of health. Um, Steve, have you ever been to a neutral house in Southern California or in your uh, research? Did you find any houses where you went? Oh, I know that one. Um, not Nutra. I in in my research though, because I've just started training for a half marathon. I think I mentioned in a past episode that I bought a coronavirus themed medal, and I've decided mm -hmm. to like just plan my own run and medal myself. Um, yes. And and so running around uh, the Los Feliz area and east hollywood i love to go past like i've gone past the the frank lloyd wright house on uh on franklin that we all know and i love to go past the la bianca murder house in los Feliz. so i like to run past like houses and things and so uh so i kind of made a little map and some routes of like oh hey you know what i can run from my place to the jardinette apartments and back one day or like hey i can i can make a run to the level house um and so i've kind of started just seeking out cool things in like the East LA area that are kind of running distance to me to, to see them and kind of be a little bit of a looky loo. Uh, That's right. That, yeah. You so know Jardinette what you can coming up. I think I'm going to yeah. run to Jardinette and be like, okay, great. <laughs> and just turn around and run back. There well, it is. If you want to do that, you should do, um, he has a whole like bunch of buildings around UCLA. So if you like drove to UCLA and ran around, mm. like there's apartment buildings, there's a house on Hill Hildegard or whatever that the one that goes mm -hmm. north south, like by all the sorority row. Like there's a bunch of places in that area that I'm sure isn't too I think it's it's a pretty could be a pretty short run. It might be a little hilly, but it you know, there's stuff yeah. over there as well. Yeah, that he's he built a lot. He built the County Hall of Records. He built Palos Verdes High School. He built yeah, uh, Palos Verdes High School is um, fuck that place. Like fuck you for being a teenager <laughs> and having your school be just like essentially across the street from a bluff overlooking the ocean. Fuck that place. <laughs> Nobody needs that. Nobody deserves that. Fuck that place. 
if there's one thing that you would want to tell somebody about Richard Dutra, as far as like, like if somebody's like, I don't like architecture, if they're like, who has a shit about a house, you know, something along those lines, like what would you tell them to convince them like this is worth studying you should go check out one of his houses you should go on a tour uh if you should be so lucky as to know somebody who happens to live in one of these houses you should spend some time in it and study it uh if you go to a high school you should appreciate it what would you say to these people this guy had a house that was burned down because a lady was afraid of hippies (laughs) <laughs> that's just all I'm going to say. Sans context and be like, look it up, bitch. And then you get Ayn Rand. And then you get the the film director who didn't put locks on the bathrooms because of people who was, and then, and then you're in. And you're into the neutral world. And then you're looking at everything else. I mean, I hate to be called a socialist, but I just... <laughs> I feel if you are in a place where you can afford a very nice house and be able to afford the house next door just to destroy it, you've got too much money. Oh yeah, like it, that it, you, you that yeah. that that money can you know. Yeah, unless you're changing the lot, raising the lot next door and making it a public park. Ooh yes, you or just expanding your house, like just. just <laughs> If it had been anything beyond, I don't want there to be a house there. House. I don't want any of yeah. any unsavory elements. Hippies. Yeah. Next uh, to my horse farm. She literally yeah. owned a horse farm in Northridge. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> I hope she got swallowed up in the earthquake. <laughs> you know what I was thinking, though? Maybe she was like right to be afraid. Maybe she didn't want to spawn ranch because at that time, oh right, Northridge yeah, was they, out oh. the fucking in the boonies. Like that was not it wasn't built up out there. So maybe she was like these hippies. They're going. They're making communes. I don't want to be a part of that. Perhaps she saved Northridge from being you know that's uh, true. Like a La Bianca Tate situation eventually in the late sixties. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe yeah. she's a hero, Steve. That's true. Did you true. Really consider that? Two sides of every coin. Horses. Why is it the last time I, I did this podcast, yes! we also talked about an eccentric horse owner. Oh, yeah. Her horses got hurt from <laughs> yeah, the balloons. Yeah, they broke their ankles because <laughs> of the, they were spooked by balloons. Katie Willard, thank you so much for coming on. Why do you know that? Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so... I, I want people to like know about this man and like know that this history is in there you know if they live in LA it's in their city and it's easy to go look you know it's all over too I mean he built so many things in so many places in America it's it's it is landmark American stuff that she got hell yeah (laughs) that's the trademark landmark American stuff stuff oh boy uh is there anything you'd like to plug at this time Yes. Okay. So I uh, have decided to to do a once a month um, like care package mailer with uh, called Katie Kits. That's what I'm calling them. It's a hokey name. I don't give a shit. Uh, that <laughs> includes uh, a print that I've made, um, a set of stickers that I've made, and some fun other goodies. Um, I'm going to start with like a really limited edition round of twenty of them. Um, and 
they'll the site will go live on the first of December. So I'm hoping to make it like a monthly thing where you grab a kit, it's fifteen dollars, um, and it's filled with just a lot of fun art from me to you. And uh, I decided to make each month's themed. So I did a random word generator to come up with the theme. This month's theme is egg. And I'm Ooh. very excited about it. <laughs> egg! Get your egg from Katie. Yeah, so um, yeah, follow me on Twitter at K-A Willert, W-I-L-L-E-R-T. Um, and I'll have that information uh, for how to sign up for, I think I'm going to do an email newsletter so I can like blast everybody with a reminder before the site goes live. And then um, on Instagram, at K.A. Willard is my personal account. And then at K.A. or Katie Willard Art is my uh, art account. So, yeah. I love it. I love I love egg as a theme. Well, I'll tell you something. This is certainly a topic that I cannot stay neutral on. Uh, Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, tell everyone you know every way you know how. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And be sure to go back and listen to our older episodes if you missed them. We talked about some weird stuff. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at WhyDoYouKnowThatPod or on Twitter at WhyDoYouKnowPod. They're different. And if you've got questions, comments, concerns, whatever, be sure to email us at WhyDoYouKnowThatPod at gmail.com. Let's do this again sometime. Uh